0: hey everyone welcome back to the nitty-gritty of real estate today's episode is how to become the winning buyer in a transaction so let's get to it hello everyone tom krieger here with matt beret just so you know, a little credentials about Matt. Matt is the number one buyer's agent on the Tom J. Krieger team here and with the Nitty Gritty Podcast. I'd like to let everybody know, Matt, you're selling a home about once every five days for this year. Yeah. Now, I wanna ask you a couple of questions. We're hearing on the general media right now that it's really hard to get a home.
1: Yep, uh, it's about as hard to get a home now as it was to get toilet roll last year. <laughs> it's, that's as simple as it is. Um, It is really tough, it is very competitive. Um, We have not a lot of supply, but mucho demand. So um, actually getting a home for our buyers right now is taking a little out of the box thinking, uh, leaving the ego at home, um, but also not putting the buyer into a financial bind or a, a physical bind with the house. So it actually takes a lot of, understanding of the buyer of the market we're in and and that comes in the buyer consult you know they watch a lot of hgtv and they think that it's going to be an easy process and with all of my buyers i tell them right away you will be disappointed the home that you love is probably not the home you're going to get um but just stick with it and also trimming down the the needs and the wants is huge you know they have this um idea in their mind of this house is going to have x and y and z and it's going to be beautiful with a pool and wood floors and that's just not what's out there but you can get to that you just got to tell them you know you're not going to find that and if we do it's going to be super competitive and you may not win you know um so it's a lot about setting up the expectation in the in the beginning and then that why that way when a buyer sees a house that they have an opportunity to get knowing they can add the things they want in the future, then it becomes a win-win and we, up, we get it and we buy it.
0: Excellent. So, Matt, let me ask this question. What's the price range right now in the Tucson market here in Arizona? What's the price range that's the hardest to get into?
1: Anything under 300,000 okay. is just gone. It really is. If you're waiting for a property under 300,000 to be an MLS, you've already lost. Really? Yeah. It's as crazy as that. You know, with coming soons, um, you know, we have the coming soon policy, so it's not physically active. So agents like myself and you, we can see these coming soon properties, but the, the general public can't. They're getting snapped up in the coming soon phase, which is fine. As long as the seller allows a showing, you know, we can write an offer. So under 300,000 is super competitive. That seems to be the price point, 250 to 300, the most first time home buyers, which we're seeing a lot of now, are most comfortable buying in because it kind of matches to their rental rates that they've been paying for two, three, four, five years. Um, Still, there is a very competitive market between 300000 and 500000 I know that's a big spread, but that's where we're seeing a lot of the cash buyers or investors and cash buyers from California are coming in with their price points. So really, up to half a million dollars, it is still super competitive. Um, I've written offers on properties in the 400s and lost out. Um, where I didn't expect I would, but I did. And they went within you know multiple offers, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars over, up to five hundred thousand. So anything under half a million is competitive. Anything under 300000 is like, you touch it, you'll get burned. It's pretty damn hot.
0: Wow. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like, first of all, that the buyers need to sit down with you or with any real estate agent and have a conversation of what their needs and wants are. And sometimes wants can't play into the to the game, right? Because their wants are not out there. So they really need to address their needs, correct?
1: Yeah, and and I do that with a lot of my buyers. We talk about the needs and the wants list. Like, what do you need in a home? Well, you need three bedrooms, you need two bathrooms, you need a, uh, a home office or, you know, We get to that, the stuff they can't live without. The wants are things like wood floors, pools, you know, um, Arizona rooms, three car garage, stuff like that. You know, those are things that can you sacrifice it? Can you can you live without it? You possibly can. You can't live without that third bedroom. You can't live without that, you know, um, downstairs bedroom in a two story, those things. So you got to hone that in. And if we can absolutely find a house that has their needs and their wants, you know, that's Nirvana. And if we can buy it, that's even better. But it's really setting the expectation. Otherwise, they're gonna get super disappointed very, very quickly. Um they may even look to look for another agent who can then promise them that dream and not set the expectation. And they may go through two or three or four agents and just be completely disillusioned with buying a home and continue renting. And that's not what we want. We know
0: okay. We know so doing. let's play a little, a little what if scenario. So let's say um, I'm referred to you by a family member mm-hmm. and I, I say, Hey Matt, you know, Tom here, I want to buy a house, a three bedroom, two bath house for 2000 square feet. And I want to spend $300,000. What can I expect and how would the process go? Kind of walk me through that process up to and including drafting the offer in the terms of an mm-hmm. offer.
1: So the first process with me is to have a sit down. Generally, here at the office, um, we bring them to the office. We sit down for about an hour, and we go through that whole needs and wants list. A lot of the time, the buyers that I'm meeting, they're not qualified. They haven't even looked into the lending side of the process. They just think first step realtor. And that's fine because we have lenders we can associate them and get them connected to. So the first thing is that consultation, set the expectation of what they're going to look like. And I kinda go through an overview, 30,000 foot view of what the process looks like, but it can be really overwhelming for a first time home buyer Mm -hmm. to sit down and say, hey, well, we're gonna get you qualified, find a house, write the contract, go through the inspections, and and at that point, they kinda glass over and they're done. So I really focus on first step, meeting me as a realtor, agreeing to work with me and have me represent them legally, you know, get paperwork done, stating that, connect them with a lender who will then qualify them. And then we have another sit down and say, okay, now you're qualified. Now it's time to buy. Now we know your price point. You need to strap your boots on because it's going to be a whirlwind. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a quick ride. And they have to be available. Um, I've had clients who, you know, they work nine to five. They can't be available to see a home at two o'clock in the afternoon if it goes live. Um, And if they wait until they finish work, well, six or seven... you know, other buyers have been through and seen it already because of different, varying schedules. Mm -hmm. So I've said to my clients, if you can get on a FaceTime or a Zoom call with me for 10 minutes, I'll go see the house now. I'll go get in there and I'll video call you from the house and we'll walk through it. And if it meets what you're looking for, Let's get it done. Let's write the paperwork. Let's get the offer submitted. You know, we're doing this with out-of-state clients, you know, virtual tours, and clients are buying properties from different states and doing it through a virtual tour or video tour. Why can't we narrow that down and do it locally for people who are working 9 to 5 and can't see a house and potentially miss out?
0: That sounds like a great way of going. So you definitely want to have a real estate agent who is IT savvy, let's say yeah. tech savvy, that can meet your needs without you disrupting your income generating activities and or your personal life, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's say now you we've talked and you've showed me and I say, yeah, this is a great house, Matt. Let's put an offer in on it, right? How do they get, how do you go, what's the next step? So...
1: It all comes down to obviously their lendability. Yep. So they've got the lender, they've got the pre-qualification letter. You got to think outside of the box. Everybody is, yeah, sadly, everybody's like, you know, the the asking price is the starting price. We know that. If you're looking to write under the asking price, it's not the house for you. You're not potentially going to win it. Um, but we've got to look. And be smart and think. Well, the seller's going to obviously go with the offer that's that is the the tightest and the highest offer. Generally, they're not just looking at price though; they're looking at terms. It's a whole package. You know, you could come in a hundred thousand over, but if your terms are shitty, and you know you you're looking adding a lot of things on the back end, you might not be as favourable. You know, and it, it can be also a case of if you're using a lender that is a you know an online lender. That seller may not want to work with somebody that they can't pick up the phone and call and say, "Hey, you're representing this buyer. Can they qualify for my house?" You know, that's why I prefer to use local lenders. I invite the listing agent to call my my buyer's lender and say, "Hey, how strong are these buyers that have submitted an offer?" If you do that with an online, you know, you know, case file, there's no personability there. So, using a strong lender is always advantageous. I truly believe. And then looking at things that can, you know, maybe sweeten the deal. And, and it comes to two, picking up the phone and having a conversation with the listing agent, straight out the bat. I've built great relationships with listing agents where I've called them up and said, hey, we want to write an offer. What's important to your seller that we can add to our offer? And a lot of the times there's a pause and they're like, well, what do you mean? Well, do they have a specific date in mind where they would like to close? Do they have a specific title company they would like to use because of a relocation or something like that? You know, what works best for your seller? And nine times out of 10, the listing agent will say, well, I've never been asked that, but they would really like to X, Y, and Z. Great, we can put that in our offer. They want to rent back for 30 days? Good to know, we can do that. They want an extended close? Great, we can work with that. So getting ahead of that and putting things on paper that when the seller sees it, it's like they're, they're, you're playing in their court, you know? Um, and I think that really helps. And I've had this in the last couple of weeks where I've, I've worked with a selling agent. We haven't actually won the offer, mm-hmm. but the selling agent has called me back and said, hey, we really appreciate the lengths you went to. We have another listing coming up in the next week or two. Would your buyers be interested?
0: So you've gone above and beyond for your buyers than an average real estate agent would do in the in the industry. Not that all real estate agents no. are bad. We don't mean to represent that at all. Sometimes you just got to be the prettiest girl at the dance, right? I think so, and it's and it's not, it's not us versus the listing. This isn't a battle.
1: It's not a war, right. right? And if you can get out of that mentality that you know you can put your ego aside and you don't have to be the big dog that beats up the other big bad agent. If you can actually just come to terms, have a conversation. This is all about just transferring a you know four walls and a roof from one owner to the next in the easiest way possible. And if you can generally have a call with a listing agent, get to understand them, understand the seller's motivation and mentality, and meet in the middle you can often win. And winning right now isn't about getting the best price for the home. Winning right now isn't getting the best terms. Winning right now is just getting the damn house. Yeah. That's it.
0: So let, let, let me ask you a couple of things. You know, in the, the local news and the national news right now, everybody's talking about housing. Okay, we don't have as much inventory on the market. In some places, there's only 10% of the inventory that normally is on the market. What are some of those quote, quote, terms that you talk about that you would put in an offer for a first time home buyer. And then how do you sell those terms, not only to the seller, but also to the buyer?
1: So terms that we put in a lot of the times, first time home buyers have built up and saved up and they know because they see online and you know, in social media that you need a down payment of some sort. And they all seem to think 20% is the magic number, which isn't true. Um, you, know, you can get a loan with 3%, a conventional loan with 3% as a down payment. You don't need 20%. Um, but a lot of the buyers, they have their down payments saved up when they meet with me and they now find out there's also closing costs, you can see the, oh shit.
0: in headlights? Yeah, yeah,
1: like, oh, that's another $5,000? Well, crap. So terms in the past have been you know, working with an agent to get the, the my buyer's closing costs paid for by the seller. And generally in the past, that would mean maybe going over asking price by the amount that we're looking to get back from the seller so the seller net's exactly the same. Sellers aren't doing that anymore. They just don't play that game. They're getting too many offers that don't have closing costs on. Maybe they're getting cash offers. So writing an offer for a buyer trying to get the seller's closing costs just won't work. And I've said that to buyers truly, is that if you just only have enough for a down payment, maybe we need to wait just a little bit longer so you, maybe you've got enough to cover half of your closing costs. And we can make it a little, you know, sweeter. Writing the offer, home warranties—it's a six hundred dollar home warranty, but it's another thing that you're asking the seller to pay for. And it, you know, you just add these little things up. You've gone from now five thousand dollars in closing costs, six hundred dollars for a home warranty. It just compounds and even though it's only $5,600, it's just another thing you've asked the seller to do. Knowing that the seller's gonna be asked to make repairs potentially too as well, it just, it compounds and it becomes a lot. So a $600 home warranty, you know, isn't going to break the buyer if they have to potentially purchase their own, but it will just take one thing off the contract that the seller doesn't have to think about or, or crunch the numbers on, and it just looks sweeter and cleaner.
0: And we want to interrupt this episode to let you know that we are a Keller Williams Southern Arizona franchise. Also, we are licensed realtors practicing equal housing. Now, let's get you back to the podcast. I've heard out in the market now, and um, this is... interesting, it's actually a new phenomenon in this market, is like waiving appraisal contingencies, waiving contingencies about doing home inspections. What's the upside? And then what's the downside of that too?
1: So, waiving appraisals, again, this is a, this comes from the lender uh, versus the realtor. You know, we don't really have the right to tell anybody to waive an appraisal. The lender will do that. And that generally comes down to if you're putting a vast amount of money down on a property. Um, The lender can look at the numbers and the ratios and see if an appraisal can be waived.
0: What's a vast amount of money?
1: Well, I've had clients who have had appraisals waived where we've bought in the 350s to 400s, and they've put like 150 to 200,000
0: down. Okay, so the amount borrowed is not really an effect of the appraisal price.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, at that point, they know the home value is in the 400s or, or close to list price or purchase price, but the borrowed value is half of that. They can potentially get a, a waived appraisal, which is great. But again, that's not for us to dictate that. That's the lender crunching their numbers. With regards to waiving inspections, I don't do it. I won't do it. It's We are not doing our buyers the service by saying, hey, to win this house, we're gonna give up our right to inspect it and know what you're buying? Absolutely not. I, I just won't do it. It's, our buyers hire us, me, to protect them, to be their guard dog, to be their confidant, to be their guide in buying a house. You wouldn't buy a car without taking it for a test drive. You potentially wouldn't buy a car without having a mechanic come and look at it for you and give it a once over. You'd would, Why would you want to buy a house not knowing if there's any errors with the property? That's a huge risk. Buying a secondhand car for $5,000 and, you know, maybe a year or two down the road, the engine goes and, well, we got a good couple of years out of it, fine. Buying a $300,000 house that in six months' time finds out that has... You know um termites the ac dies on you the water heat is gone the roof is shot has you know sub foundation problems why you just wouldn't do it so i do not recommend waiving your inspections i just would not do it so that's me
0: so i've heard that um people are waiving the ability to come back to the seller to ask the seller to do repairs and just doing a home inspection for their own knowledge and then saying, well, okay, these are all cosmetic things. I could still live with the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if something comes back, let's say like polybutylene piping in the house, that's going to be a six to $10,000 price range. They're going to go, no, nope, we're not buying the house. Yeah. Are there any terms like that you can say that the buyer won't ask for any repairs If they're below $2,000, let's say. Absolutely.
1: You can write anything into a contract. Um, So you can do that. That the buyer's intention is not to ask the seller for any repairs. Or the buyer's intention is only to ask the seller to repair mechanical items or defects with regards to HVAC roof or water heater. You know, those kind of things. You can write those in. But like you said, it is... You know, Arizona and maybe some other states are the same, it's written into our purchase contract. All homes are sold as is, Correct. therefore the seller is selling it as what you get. But we also still have the right to inspect and request repairs be made. So always doing a home inspection and a termite inspection and all the other inspections are are critical. But yes, writing into the contract that my buyer doesn't have the intention to ask the seller to any repairs could be very valid, especially if it's a newer home, two, three, three year old home, you could do that. If it's an older home, well then again, that's when you sit down with people like you and I who look at it and go, we inherently know that older homes have problems with X, Y, Z. You know, we don't want to put that in the contract because you could be end up, you know, the seller may give you $2,000, but your problems are worth eight. Right. Are you willing to take that on? So that's that's why you need a professional to help you do this.
0: Okay. Great information, everybody. So I want to just share with you, Matt's given us a lot of things to think about uh, as an agent who represents buyers. You can see that he wants the buyers to win, but he doesn't want to throw them under the bus just to get the house done. So I want to say thanks a lot, Matt, for your time here. You know, I understand why you're the number one buyer's agent on the team. You're pretty darn smart. And I want everybody to turn into our next episode because on that next episode, we're going to talk about sellers and how sellers can get the exact deal or the exact contract that they're looking for. So until next time, stay safe.
1: Thank you so much for tuning into the Nitty Gritty podcast. If you have any questions about buying, selling, investing, or even getting your real estate license, please give us a call or reach out to us. Our info is in
0: the description.